signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champion. Amici scores. Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. This is Mike Burnham. This is West Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44 of the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vance, the Boogie Woogie Man. This is Coach Fry with Virginia Tech Football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the big dog, Rick Watson. She put me down, I bet I'd do it in my head Come in late at night and in the morning I just lay in bed Well, Ronnie, you look so fine And I wouldn't take much time for you to juncture of our growing up. Ah, Rhonda. It is Thursday here in the program. Hope you're okay wherever you might be. As always, we'd love to hear from you. 639-4900. Text line's open 744-2990. Rick at New River Radio. Want to send an email, or you can message me on. Uh, I mean, I always forget the name of this app. Messenger. Hey. Oh. <laughs> when you uh, head out and about this morning, it's going to be a little warmer than it was yesterday because we're balmy. We're up to 16 already. Might get to 40 today. You know, and today's more of a little subtle, get you back into uh, warm weather mode, right? I mean, we talked about, we played a lot of warm weather songs yesterday, and now the beach boys, see? Subliminal messaging there that maybe your cockles will be warmed a little bit, or shockles, whatever it is. You know, your inner self as you go about your morning. We'll uh, go through the college basketball roundup from last night. Not good for your local men's teams as uh, both Radford and Virginia Tech lose. Highlanders drop a home game resoundingly to Gardner-Webb last night. Now 0-2 in Big South games at home, and Tech still has not won a road game. We'll have Mike Young's post-game press conference for you. 
They get uh, beaten at Virginia 65-57. They had just 18 points at halftime. Turnovers. You name it. Tech got shut down by the Cavaliers, who really needed that win. David Teal was talking yesterday about how badly the Cavaliers needed that win, and they, and they got it. So we'll go over all that, and we'll get your thoughts on it as we get uh, 24 hours closer to the NFL divisional playoffs. And we're going to talk about, you know, we talk about everything that's going on with college football and some of these programs that, you know, in the past, you may not think about them having to deal with the new environment that seemingly the portal and the NIL always falls in place. I put up a post yesterday about uh, Kalen DeBoer, the new uh, head football coach at Alabama. And again, you can find this uh, at length on our Facebook page. Facebook, the electric friendship generator. There we go. And this was his day yesterday. So this is affecting Alabama in the wake of Nick Saban moving on. He lost the SEC freshman of the year and safety Caleb Downs. He decided to go to the portal. Starting left tackle, Caden Proctor, all-conference player, said, I'm not staying, I'm going to the portal. And they had a five-star recruit that they were really bragging about that I'm sure had a big NIL agreement, Zion Grady. He decommitted all that yesterday before lunch (laughs) for the new Alabama head coach, Kalen DeVore. And here's going to be the thing about Kalen DeVore, who is obviously a terrific football coach. I mean, Overall, his record, not just at Washington, but overall, he's got over 100 wins. He's only had, I think, 12 losses, something like that. He obviously is a terrific coach. But how, and I mentioned this when the hire was made, and it seems like they were targeting different types of guys. Now, I know Alabama acts like, oh, the only guy we wanted was Kalen DeBoer. Well, that's not true. But can he fit and survive in the SEC slash Alabama environment. He's off to a tough start. Let's go to the Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Hey, this is Gary. How you doing? Hey, Gary. I'm proud of your Huskies, man. I really am. In what way? Well, getting to the championship game, brother. That's pretty good. Pretty Um, good. (laughs) Well, my question is, Am I a bad person for hoping that Kalen DeBoer fails miserably at Alabama? No, I get it. Why would you want him to? I mean, no, it's natural. I mean, all these people put on a front, well, I really <laughs> hope he does well. No, he left your program, right? He, he promised recruits. He wasn't going. And then as soon as he secretly wanted to be at Alabama all along, it started to happen a lot earlier than he admitted. No, I don't think you should ever be happy when your coach is leaving. I, I wouldn't sit there and fist pump for him. Hell no. Well, the way I look at it, I think Washington is a really good job. Great think, job. Uh, Great job. Alabama is a better job. But what aggravates me the most is the way he lied to the recruits. Correct. And, and another thing that I don't understand is his daughter is a freshman at Washington. She's going to play softball. I would think as a father – I'm not a I'm not a father, so I don't have any kids. But I would just think, as a father, that you would want to stay there the four years that she's going to be there at Washington. 
to watch her play softball. Is that is that crazy of me to no, think a father would want to do that? No, I didn't even know that. And I'm sure the reason she's at Washington is because her dad was the head football coach, right? So, I mean, she probably could have chosen other places to go. You wonder now, is she going to transfer? I mean, Alabama's one of the elite programs. Washington's really good, too, though. I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're basically saying, see you, sweetheart. Have a great time in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I would think his wife, her mother, she'd want to stay there and watch watch her daughter play softball too. I, I, I just don't get it. I think I think he's like ninety nine percent of the coaches out there. It's all about him, correct, and his ego. And you know, I think I think he's a really good coach. Oh yeah, I think he's one of the top coaches in the country. But I think if he doesn't win a championship in the first two or three years, uh, they're going to have issues with him because, you know, they're going to a 12-team playoff. So I would think Alabama would make the playoff just about every year. But if they don't win it, I think there's going to be issues. Well, I'm going to be curious, Gary, to see how he recruits in that environment. I mean, that is going to be huge in how he handles the portal. Saban had no problem with that. And here I just mentioned all these things that happened to him yesterday, just in one day. And these other recruits not so far wanting to hear anything he has to say as soon as Saban was gone. And it shows you, too, these recruits are going to schools basically, yeah, for the payout, but they're going for the coach, right? They're not staying for the school in a lot of cases. Right. That's not always the case, but in many cases. Yeah, I just – and, I mean, I think Washington hired a good coach in Jet Fish, but they gave him a seven-year contract. I know, I know. With a uh, with a buyout of twelve million the first year, and each year that he he's there, it drops by a million. Mm-hmm. So to me, that shows they have no faith that Jed Fish is going to stay there seven years. Well, and I think it was a good pivot by your program. I really do. He's uh, a rising star. I wish uh, it was a guy. I wish UCLA would have looked at more seriously before he took the UCLA, uh, before he took the Arizona job. But now he's way out of their league. So yeah, I think it was a good pivot and. I think he'll do just fine. I really do. He's going to do fine in that league, and he's got an innovative mind. It's going to be a little different look on for them on offense, but I agree with you. I, I, I like him a lot. I think Washington – let's put it this way. I feel better about Washington's future right now than I do Alabama's just because I don't know if Kalen DeBoer is going to be able to adjust to this new life. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, that was the one, one problem with him at Washington. He wasn't recruiting well. No. And – you know, I, I don't understand the difference between Washington and Oregon other than all that Nike money. That's it. That's exactly I, what I, it is. I, I think Washington is as good a job as Oregon other than maybe they just don't have as much NIL money. Yeah, it is. It's the whole uh, the Nike being there, and they u- have used that for so many so many decades with Phil Knight behind the scenes before it became legal supplementing these recruits. That's exactly what it is. And then you create all these information channels, right, because it's been going on for what? 25, 30 years, so all these kids hear about what Oregon has done, and they know what's out there. So that that's exactly why. But you're right. I mean, Washington right now is a better program than Oregon. They beat them twice last year, and they're on a better trajectory. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Rick. All right, Gary. Okay. Yeah, I don't blame Gary at all. I mean, come on, be honest with yourselves. If you had a really good coach, I mean, you sit there and go, yeah, I hope he does well at uh, – I hope he does well at his next stop. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, depending on how he left, and it, it, yeah, you're not just going, yeah. I hope he kicks butt there at his new school. He left us high and dry.
I just don't know he's going to be able to handle it. Not a bad, not a good start for him from a roster construction point of view. No one is immune from this is what it, it points out, right? Your head coach leaves and nobody wants to stay. It's not because it's Alabama, right? It's not because it's the SEC. It's because Nick Saban is gone. And eventually he'll find his own recruits and we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. I mean, he's a really good coach. There's no question about it. He doesn't have a real um, outgoing personality. You know, Nick Saban had everything. Nick Saban had the entire package, right? Presentation, style, and substance pretty clear. Text message, uh, DeBora was only at UW for only two seasons. How much of his success was because of Penix? Well, well, a lot of it, <laughs> absolutely. And that's the kind of thing he's going to have to find in Alabama, right? But he's going to be in more of a dogfight out of the portal in his own league now more than ever. And there's no question. He did a good job. But you know, and you know what? Your point's well taken because Michael Penix was coming off what? Back-to-back knee surgeries that ended his Indiana career. He didn't have a lot of suitors. Washington took a flyer on him. He was able to stay healthy, and then boom, he turns into a, a Heisman candidate. So yeah, your point's well taken. That one just worked out for him. And we'll see. It's going to be all about... It's going to be all about... Uh, how he was able to recruit. Don says, Alabama and Fuentes. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Justin Fuente. Now, I know he's still getting paid. right? He's got a lot of money still coming in. But there's got to be a reason, right? Got to be a reason that guy hadn't got a serious sniff as a head coach anywhere. You think that? You think about how he was a rising superstar. At Memphis, comes the Tech, which was a no-brainer. And I'll never fault Whit Babcock for making that hire because at the time, boy, we were all like, wow, well, nicely done. Then I start doing the show, and I start hearing about all the, oh, well, you're not going to have a good time trying to get <laughs> to get that guy on the show. Ooh, they were right. And you start hearing all these things behind the scenes, and you're like, whoa, what's happening over there? And he may not want to be a head coach. You know, he may just be enjoying time with his family. And he's, like I say, he's making millions. That's not a bad gig. Nobody went after Jimbo Fisher either. He's still getting paid lots of money. Lots of money. But I'm going to be very curious. This whole Alabama thing is going to be uh, very interesting to watch. Because let me tell you, folks, the Alabama Mafia is real. I mean, that whole thing around that program is unlike any program in the country. And there's a lot of brush down there. Nick Saban was able to control it. He was above it. Very few coaches. There's been two coaches down there that's been above it. Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Look at everything that happened in between those two hires down in Tuscaloosa. Kalen DeBoer could become a similar type of victim. I'm not saying he will. 
he might be able to get it done. <laughs> Here's a text message. Why do we lose our jobs and no money comes in? Exactly. We need our own buyouts, what we need. <laughs> uh, the BDST buyout. Yeah, well, no more movie tickets or food coupons. Oh, oh, it's not the same as making seven to eight million dollars a year after I'm fired. Oh, oh, oh. All right, we're just getting revved up for a Thursday. Andy Bitter, 735. And Dwight Vick at 835. We'll talk to him a little bit about all this and the culture. Culture, Dwight's really big on the culture. He saw it in Brent Pry early. Is Alabama going to see it in their new head coach? We'll be back. Hope everybody's okay. We'll get into the basketball results last night. (laughs) Mike says, don't you feel petty when you tell people that they shouldn't support the coach that leaves? No, I really don't, Mike. (laughs) I don't. I'm not saying you hate the coach. But how many Washington fans are going to be going, yeah, look at that. Kalen DeBoer left us high and dry. Yeah, he's 9-0 and at Alabama, getting ready to take over the number one spot in the country. I'm so happy for him. No, you're not. First of all, don't lie to yourself. Certainly don't try to lie to other people. It's just natural. It's not anybody's fault. It doesn't make you a bad person. Let's say Brent Pry restores Virginia Tech to national prominence. And then one of the college football blue bloods comes by and sweeps him away. How many Tech fans will be going, yeah, I hope he does great at whatever school it's going to be? No, you're going to go, why did he not stay here? Frank Beamer had a chance to go to North Carolina. Frank Beamer had verbally agreed a handshake agreement to go to North Carolina. Remember that? How many Tech fans would have still been like, you know, yeah, go heels? Right? Just come on, be honest with yourself. It's, it doesn't make you a bad person. You're just you're just trying to be true to the school that you're or the program you're a fan of. They're the ones moving on, making bukus of money. There you go, text message. Hell, when the rumor started, Beamer was going to UNC. I was mad. That was more than a rumor. That was a handshake. He was done. He came back. To tell the officials at Tech he was leaving, and then he got talked out of it. More incentives. That's how quickly that almost ended the whole Virginia Tech run much earlier than it actually ended. Yeah. I mean, that was a thing. That was a, yep, I'm coming to Chapel Hill, honey. Go uh, call the realtor. I'm going to go back and tell administration. 48-hour period later, here's a new deal. For Virginia Tech, new coaches, money, commitment, and the rest is history. So ask yourself that question. I mean, how many of you would have said, yeah, go coach. Get it done at Chapel Hill. No, you wouldn't have. And it doesn't make you a bad person (laughs) at all.
All right. We'll get into uh, basketball when we come back. We're going to hear from Mike Young. We've got not good news for Tech on the road. They can't win at JPJ. And Bradford, man, oh, man. Got blown out early and then couldn't climb the mountain to get back against Gardner-Webb. Not a good night. We'll be back. text messages since the the news started about Buzz Williams. <laughs> People are like, yeah, I haven't wanted Buzz Williams to do well at all since he left Virginia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Guy proved that he, oh, let's just say he wasn't what he tried to represent when he was in Blacksburg. Doesn't have a lot of support. Just some coaches I talked to around about him. Uh, not a very well-liked dude. And, yeah, are you sitting there hoping Texas A&M just has these great years? There's a great example. It doesn't have to be just football. Right? It's fine. It's okay. None of you say that you want Buzz Williams to win, or Tech fans, the five people that text. I get it. You don't have to feel bad at all. No, don't worry about it. I get it. You're, you're, you're entitled you don't have to just fall in line and go, yeah, I hope he does so well. Let's say the politically correct thing because that's what everybody expects now. Oh, I hope he does great. We're so happy for what he did here. It was outstanding. He really helped our program, and I really hope he does great in his new job where he took more money and lied to us about staying and lied to the fans and the recruits. Oh, love it. Actual footage of the mindset of people that are trying to sell that idea. That's a new voice, too. I'm not really sure what it is. It's just kind of a new voice. It's kind of the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> 744 2990. Uh, Virginia Tech, not good. They scored 18 first half points. You know, I'm going to say this right now. Everybody says, oh, Sean Padula's scoring. You know what? Sean Padula is not playing good basketball. Breaking news here on the program from the defending ACC Player of the Week. I'm just going to say this. And this falls in line with what Mike Burnham talked about, you know, the turnovers. He had seven more turnovers last night. Seven more turnovers, six of 16. But, Rick, he had 18 points. Okay. How many points is he costing his team with his carelessness throwing away the basketball? This is where you don't look at one stat, right? You can't look at one stat and think, oh, yeah, he's playing great. No, he's not. He's not. Tech turned it over 15 times in Charlottesville. 
Not good. And their season's at a crossroads. Radford's season's at a crossroads. Tech now 2-4 and four in the league. Haven't won a road game. Here's Mike Young. This press conference starts out with his hand covering his face. Kind of tells you all you need to know. Here is uh, Mike Young after the game. Yeah, Mike, in terms of uh, what they were able to do defensively, really all night, forcing the turnovers, and then specifically on, on Padula, uh, what was working for them defensively? Well, Reese is really, really good. Um, you know, they, they didn't do anything differently. Uh, you know, I, Mike, I, they're going to hedge a ball screen and really show on, uh, on things and um, um, maybe stayed with that hedge a little bit longer. I'm not uh, sure of that. Uh, but, um, you know, to come in here and you know, put uh, so much into it and turn the ball over ten times makes it really hard. We had to pass along the baseline to Hunter uh, to go in down seven, which we were fortunate to do, uh, but um, certainly had put ourselves behind the eight ball. Mike, and you know, over here on your right, uh, Jordan Miner had 16 for them. What makes him so difficult to defend down low? Well, I'm not being um, the action sides. He's run it for years. Uh, if you show just a click too much, that thing goes down underneath. It wasn't as though he was catching the ball on the block and scoring that way. That was Beekman. That was uh, Isaac coming off that uh, that pin down, and um, you got to offer some resistance. You got to chase them. Um, and if there's not resistance, they get downhill with the ball. But they were able to throw the thing underneath on at least four occasions to uh, to Miner, who uh, you know who caught it and uh, and scored the ball. And then, you know, he's not a great foul shooter. Made six of eight foul shots, so he had a nice game. Hats off to him. Mike, um, uh, Lynn had such a great game against Miami last weekend. What what made it tough to get him going today? They were really physical with him, Mark. Um, even uh, the Buchanan kid, who's going to be a really good player in this league. Uh, Miner and Buchanan were uh, were very physical with him, and um, uh, you know they uh, they they stoned him. You know, bottom line, uh, he and Melijah both uh, in the first half. I thought Melijah played uh, well overall, and uh, a, a nice job in the second half. The kick out made three, I think, uh, which cut it back to uh, seven five maybe. Um, just much more physical than uh, than Lynn was on this particular night. Mike, um, you guys were held the six for twenty-two in the first half. I know you had the ten turnovers as well, but what was UVA able, UVA able to do to kind of keep you guys from even getting some good looks? They were able to keep a half. body on a body, Tim, and, and and they are they are they're they're really good defensively. And they uh, they they there's nothing new, it's nothing um, tricky uh, right at you, and you know that's they're good at it, and I uh, I applaud them. Mike, the, the turnovers have been an issue, particularly in the conference on the road. Is there something that comes to mind where you can figure that out? Particularly Sean with seven today. Gene, we've got no choice but to uh, but to figure it out. Uh, winning, winning on the road is hard enough, and uh, you know you just can't do that. We had 15 on Saturday against uh, Miami, and then 10 in here in the first half, 15 for the game. Um, our teams, uh, you know. 22 years in this thing, our teams on a number of occasions have been ranked way up there, top 25 in the country in assist turnover ratio, and it, uh, it, it, it's, it's bothersome. It is bothersome. Um, so got to get better.
Yeah, Mike, uh, how does Dante Harris change them offensively, defensively? Good to see him back on the floor. Uh, good to see him um, in, uh, in uniform and, and participating after, uh, you know, that high ankle sprain, which can be so hard to, uh, to overcome uh, his quickness. Um, you know, uh, a tenacious young person defensively. Um, and, uh, you know, offered them, you know, another level of uh, grit and toughness in the, uh, the backcourt. I, uh, I thought he helped their team. He really did. He blew Padula's doors off on the baseline uh, in, the, uh, in the second half in a, uh, in a big moment. Um, we were prepared for him. We knew that he'd been in uniform. We knew that he'd been practicing. Um, so, you know, uh, good night for, uh, for, for him. They, they get Dante back. You guys got Hunter back. Uh, when did you know, what did you think of his performance and how close to 100% was he today? Um, I, thought he, I thought he was good. He's, he's always good. I um, thought that, uh, that uh, McNeely's match was a big one. That's why we went Hunter on, uh, on Isaac and, uh, and MJ, who I thought did a pretty good job all in all on, uh, on Reese. And then Sean on, you know, uh, Rody, whomever. Um, he was evaluated on Monday by our medical staff. He was cleared. He went uh, practiced on Monday, no contact. He was full contact on Tuesday, and uh, we we knew on Monday that uh, that you know if everything went well on Tuesday, he'd play. And here here he was. What up playing forty three minutes? Um, I'm sure I played him a lot. Uh, Mike, Sean had been on such a tear the last three games. Uh, were they defending him any differently or better than other people had recently, or was it just a case of Hunter was back, so you're going to have more scoring balance uh, than you've had lately? Um, you know, again, they're they're not they're they're not doing anything differently. Uh, no matter who it is, this is how they're going to play it. And again, they may have stayed on a ball screen hedge a little bit longer. Um, I would I would I would. Certainly think that Reese Beekman is one of the elite defenders nationally, uh, and and Reese uh, got the better of him on that uh, on that end. I still thought Sean did a lot of really good things to help our team. Last question, Mike. You guys go to Raleigh next. Is there something specific you'd like to see improve on the road now as you move forward? It's not easy to win out here, Anthony, but you got to do it, and to do it, um, there's got to be a. You know, a connection throughout the uh, group. You've got to get contributions throughout the uh, throughout the unit. Uh, you cannot turn the ball over uh, on the road or at home. Um, you know, and you got to step to the plate and uh, make a shot when uh, when that thing swings around there, and you got you got a good crack at it. And uh, we didn't do that at uh, at times tonight, and uh, we'll need to on Saturday against the Wolfpack, who's who's obviously playing pretty good basketball. There you go. That's uh, Mike Young, who's really good at his uh, press conferences, even after a difficult loss like that. Um, and, you know, just David TLA, no wonder he won another writing award, right? Because he said, you know, he expected Beekman to be on Padula, and that's pretty much the way it was all night. Again, he scored okay, but the seven turnovers offset that, man. You, any coach in the country is going to see a guy go for 18 and turn it over seven times, and they're going to look. You know what number they're going to look at? They're going to look at the seven. The 18 really doesn't matter. At least Padula owned it after the game. He said, look, I'm just turning the ball over. I'm just giving the ball away. I think that's how he worded it. 
So he understands it, so it's not something that's getting lost on him. But that's got to get fixed. NC State's playing well. I still think Tech has better games in them, no doubt. They've shown that early in the season. But, again, the toughest thing to do in collegiate sports is win conference road games. Mike Young just alluded to it. And Tech has to figure it out. They haven't won on the road, and they are a different team, and and everyone seems to be a much different team home on the road. And that's why last night, you know, going into it, heading down to the Dedman Center, felt good about Radford's chances at home because Gardner-Webb had not won a road game. As a matter of fact, their splits were really frightening in terms of what they've done at home and on the road. And yet... They come down the Dedman Center, and you get down to the second media timeout, and you're down by 18. It was 28 to 10. And you're going, wow, they threw some haymakers, man. They connected. Highlanders, to their credit, rallied. Second half, changed the game around. Got it down to one. Never could climb the mountain, get the lead. Cut it back down to three at 53-50. Never could climb the mountain, get the lead. And Gardner-Webb came in there and uh, beat Radford for their first road win. And now the Highlanders are 0-2 at home in Big South games. And after that big win on Thursday against Longwood and the very disappointing triple overtime loss on Saturday in Rock Hill, you now drop another home game. With USC Upstate coming in on Saturday, a team who won at the buzzer last night against Longwood. Former Radford assistant Dave Dickerson and the Spartans. So, seasons are on the brink for the men's teams, right? Let's just say it the way it is. Virginia Tech, I mean, everybody, and I get so frustrated with this too. Everybody talking about, oh, that's a quad one win they've got. Everybody just stop talking about quad victories and go out and win a basketball game. If Tech loses Saturday, they're completely out of any consideration for a postseason berth, right? Just stop talking about it. I mean, you got to break down what it is. You don't have to worry about that with Radford because it's a one-bid league. You have to win three games in March. People still, ah, Tech will be fine if they get this quad one. No, they're not fine. If you don't win on the road and – you keep playing the way you are, and that continues to haunt you down the stretch throughout January and February. That's what the committee is going to look at. Let's just fix the things that are wrong and start winning basketball games. Then you can start talking about where they might fit in in the postseason. It's about being in a conference and winning a conference road game, and that's what they're trying to do against NC State, who's certainly not unbeatable. But they've got to protect the basketball. I mean, Tech's formula is going to be protecting the basketball, having those two guards shooting, making the defense kind of soften inside, and then you can get Kidd and other guys involved, and then you can start doing some things. That's what Gardner-Webb did last night. They shot the ball well early, then they just penetrated. They were so aggressive. Radford couldn't stop them. The guards going in the paint, the post hitting the offensive glass. I mean, just a horrible start for Radford, and and they just never fully recovered. And I never go into a game as the broadcaster for the Highlanders and think, yeah, we're going to win this. You know, I never, because you're always like, I really hope we do okay. (laughs) 
But, man, I'm sitting there last night looking at Cole Wilder, my partner, and going, wow, did, did we see this? What, what is this? Crazy. So now Radford has a couple days to try to fix it before they get in there on Saturday afternoon and what's become a huge game for them. they got to play at Asheville next Wednesday. Mm. Wayne from Ohio losing Mike Jones and Chester Frazier was huge. Rodney Rice could have had an impact. Absolutely. All of those things are correct. All of those things are, are very, very correct. That's a lot to lose. Mike Jones leaving that staff is a huge void that I don't think Mike Young has been able to feel. That's, that's a great point. I mean, everybody says, you know, you got to move on from it, and you do, but the impact can still be felt for a while, right? And I think that is a great, great point. Because think about it, you're... This is why sports relates and has so many metaphors to the military and wartime. Mike Young lost his top general. He's taking his team into these battles without him and in preparation for these battles without him, and it does make a huge, huge difference. I'm not saying he doesn't have a good staff because he does. J.D. Byers is a really good friend of mine, assistant coach there. It's not about that. It's just about who is no longer there. And I think, uh, Wayne, you're, I, I thought about that, as a matter of fact, when I was watching him play last week, how much his presence is missed, not only in what he did with recruiting, with the players during day-to-day, but how many times did we see camera shots of, of Mike Young going over to Mike Jones and they would have these little pre-conversations going in, you know, going in the huddle, because that's the guy, that's the guy. And these aren't excuses. Tech's not playing well. They haven't been good enough. That's the fact. And you're not good enough when you're turning the ball over like they are. I do like the fact that Sean Padula didn't want to talk about scoring 18 points. He said, look, I'm just handing the ball away. Here you go. Take the basketball from me. That's what he said. So there is that self-awareness, and that's why I'm not going to get too down yet on Tech basketball. I like hearing the self-awareness because that is a good sign. How many times have we talked about it? It all comes back to it. Those that have self-awareness usually are going to be okay in the long run. Those that don't, you're not going to fix it. But listening to Mike Young right there and Sean Padula, I think this team's got self-awareness. They just have to correct it. And now, looking at it, they have to correct it pretty quickly. We'll be back. Wrap up Hour 1. All right, we're getting a lot of uh, text messages on the line. 283 East for Virginia Tech. They live and die by it. I've said that. They do. They, if they're shooting the three well, they've got a shot to have a nice game. If they're not, they really struggle to recover from that. Now, I know they have two excellent shooters, but you can't just go into every game against a defensive team like UVA in particular who put the best defender in the ACC on the hottest guy in the conference shooting the ball. 
saw what happened. Seven turnovers is what happened. All right, we'll be back hour to 80 bitter Dwight Vick a little later on.